Thanks, Peter. And I have to agree with that. Uh, a lot of what's been said and the songs we've sung are uh, just perfect for uh, what God's placed on my heart this morning. It's good to be with you and have uh, my first chance to talk with you for 2017. I hope the year's been a good one for you so far. Uh, I've made a point of trying to get some uh, things done around the garden. And then we have this big old climbing rose that uh, was really beyond it. And so uh, we took time to uh, pull it down and um, it was 40 degrees that day, but I thought I'm going to get it done anyway. And uh, as I was stuffing it in the trailer to take it to the dump, uh, I got to the dump just before it caught a light, the fire, not the rose. Sorry, the dump caught a light, but got there just in time. But as I was stuffing it into the trailer and stomping it down, I thought if I keep doing this without... Um, a pair of sh- uh, with, just with shorts on, I'm going to get scratched to pieces. So I put a pair of jeans on and a jumper, had a hat and gardening gloves, 40 degrees, squishing this old rose, big, massive vegetation into the trailer. And uh, one of the, the thorns on it caught the, uh, the knee of the jeans I was wearing and tore it. And my first reaction was, great, now I can join the worship team. <laughs> My second thought was just to tear the legs right off and it would have matched what Tim was wearing this morning. So maybe I'll get those old gardening jeans. Um, Before I get into my message though, uh, I just want to really encourage um, those who are dads especially, but all of you who have family members that you care for. Um, I really felt on my heart um, when the new year started to have a few days of fasting and praying and looking through the scriptures to find a specific verse for each member of my family, for my wife, uh, kids, grandchild, uh, grandchild yet unborn. And that is going to be my guiding verse each time I pray for them through the year. And I pray for them a lot. And I just wanted to share that to you that if uh, you're a parent or someone who has family that you really care for and you pray for often, ask God for a specific verse that you uh, hope for them, you pray over them for the year that you desire for them. And uh, just keep that verse, I've written them down and each time I pray I get that out and uh, for my son and my daughters and wife and so forth, son-in-law, there's specific verses and I had a chance to talk with them about that and we had time all together over the uh, holiday break and I was able just to share with each one of them uh, the verse that I was praying for them. So I just want to encourage you to really up the ante with prayer for your own families. Just prior to Christmas, uh, a comment was made to me that um, made me feel a little bit defensive and, and sort of got my blood boiling a little bit. And uh, you know how sometimes things are said and they get under your skin and just can't let them go? And uh, it was gnawing away at me. And uh, it made worse because the comment came from a committed Christian person. And uh, this person said, Christmas is more like a deadline than anything else. And I thought, how can you say that? You know, we're about to come up to the season where we're celebrating the birth of our Saviour. And we've heard this morning through our communion message about the redemption that God brought into the world through him. And the reason it troubled me, I guess, was it seemed like an attack on something that I hold in high regard. You know, this Christmas and this Christmas story. And I thought, well, all Christians should hold that in high regard. It's not just a deadline. And it didn't seem right to reduce the concept of Christmas just to, oh, it's a deadline. But, you know, though I 
strongly love the celebration of Christmas and what it stands for, the more I thought about this, the more I thought, you know, in some ways that person is right. It can be seen as a deadline, can't it? You think of all the pre-Christmas things that you have to do. You know, there's the list of things that you have to buy for people and you check it twice to see who's naughty and nice and who's on the list and who shouldn't be on the list and so forth. There's all the pre-Christmas events, whether they're work functions or even the church gathering we had here. And there are so many different things that have to happen. And trying to coordinate dates with family members and who's bringing what and who's going to bring the beetroot and who's going to bring the turkey and all those sorts of things. And you get all that done and tick that one off as well. And... Um, you know, putting up trees and decorations and lights and all those sort of things. Yeah, it is a deadline. It is a deadline to a degree. And I wonder, we're almost a month away from Christmas now. It's gone. How many of you have thought about it since Christmas happened? Or do you collapse in a big heap in Boxing Day and uh, turn on the air con and turn on the cricket and flick between the cricket and the start of the Sydney to Hobart and just veg? Because that deadline has passed. That deadline has passed. But it challenged me to think, okay, to an extent and to a degree, Christmas is a deadline, but it's so much more. What is it? What is it? And as I was thinking about it, I thought, how can I come back to that person and say, I see what you're saying, but have you ever thought that? It's not just another annual event on the to-do list. What I believe Christmas is, is it's an unfinished story. It's not a deadline. Well, it's more than a deadline, but it's an unfinished story. And it seems funny to be talking about Christmas when Christmas was a month ago. But the unfinished story continues. The unfinished story will be continued to be written. There will be more chapters written during 2017. I want to challenge you to think about how the Christmas story is going to be written into your life during this year. How that unfinished story will have a little bit more added to it during 2017. We've heard already this morning that, I guess in simple terms, it's a story of redemption. How God created us, created the world, created us for a purpose, to live in harmony with him. How we blew it. We had our chance and we muffed it. And we created a gap between ourselves and God that we couldn't fill. And Jesus coming to the earth, we celebrate that at Christmas time, was the one whose sacrifice on the cross filled that gap. And Christmas is a time when we celebrate God with us. Jesus himself said in John 10, verse 10, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And we celebrate at Christmas time Jesus coming to give us that life, to help finish that story in our lives. And though the ultimate ending of the story is eternity with Jesus for those who believe, we don't know how each chapter between now and then is going to unfold. And that's the part that's still being finished each day. What chapters will be written in your story this year? Perhaps you'll jump straight to the ending and have faith in Jesus and trust him and accept him for the first time and accept that sacrifice that he has made and know that your final chapter will be eternity with Jesus. 
That's the most significant chapter in the whole book. Perhaps there'll be chapters about people you meet and the impact you have on them and the impact they have on you. Perhaps it'll be a chapter of a new child or a new direction in a relationship. Perhaps it'll be chapters written about challenges and joys that you struggle with, how you'll grow, what you'll learn about God, where God is going to lead you. But you know, when you're in a story, sometimes it's hard to get perspective of what's happening around you. And you can't see where it's all going and how it's going to unfold. But my prayer for all of you here is that in December 2017, when you look back and you see what more has been written to the unfinished story of your life, you will know the hand of God has been at work in your life. And I want to encourage you this morning that wherever you are at in your story at present, God is with you and he has a purpose for you. And sometimes because we're in the midst of an unfinished story, we can't see that. If you look at some Bible characters and we see their unfinished stories, I think back to Joseph in the Old Testament, a man who was betrayed by his brothers, who was thrown into a pit, left for dead, but then later on sold into slavery, was falsely accused, was imprisoned. If you look at any of those single events in his story, you would think, wow, that is the end. That is hopeless. There is no point. But each of those events were part of the unfinished story. And he finished, of course, second in charge of all of Egypt with the purpose of saving the country and the neighbouring countries from severe famine. I think about the New Testament, a woman who'd been caught in adultery and been dragged before the priests and was about to be stoned to death. A cruel and hard way to die. Jesus came along and offered her forgiveness. And through wise words, speaking to those around who decided they weren't in a position to be judging someone's sins. Her story looked like it was over, literally. But it was unfinished because Jesus stepped into it and turned it round. I think of a a real-life example just um, that came to mind this week. Um, It was the 40th anniversary of the Granville train disaster. Now, those who are younger than that may have heard it but not really understand what it was about. A loaded passenger train coming down from the Blue Mountains in towards the city as it passed the, uh, the station at Granville in the western suburbs of Sydney, it derailed and it came off the track But it wasn't just a matter of the train coming off the track. As it did, it knocked out the supports for an overhead road bridge. And the road bridge came down on top of the carriages. Cars were on that road bridge. And in the the whole aftermath, um, 84 people died in that accident. And 210 people were injured. Of that 210 people, there was a teenage girl on board. I didn't know her at the time but met her years later at a church that I attended. She told me about the accident and what it was like. But the most startling thing she told me about that was at the time she wished she was number 85, that she had been killed as well. She'd only just found out that she was pregnant to her boyfriend. And she was on the train trying to work out what to do, how to tell her parents, how to tell her friends, 
how to deal with the shame that she and her boyfriend felt, having both been raised in Christian homes and being long-time members of the church, Sunday school and youth group. Had she been killed, no one would have ever known. Yet hers was an unfinished story. She married a boyfriend. When I knew them, they had three children. Her husband was in full-time church ministry. And though the subsequent chapters of their life have not always been easy, they know that God is there and the story is never quite complete. The challenges and struggles that we face in life aren't the end of the story. They're just one part of the story that God can use as a stepping stone or even a foundation for the very next chapter. And we heard testimony of that last week when Luke and Jess and Joel were sharing some of the ups and downs they'd had in their journey. But now they're in the USA, singing their songs, presenting the gospel to a generation of people through music. But, you know, that's not the end of their story either. That's just this chapter. Where will that go? Over the past eight or nine years, it's become a tradition. The first message that I speak in church in the new year makes reference to my peach tree. (laughs) For those who haven't been here for the past eight or nine years, a 30-second synopsis, it was self-sown from a discarded peach seed. We didn't know what it was, but we let it live. Its first year, it produced one green piece of fruit that didn't ripen, and we couldn't tell what it was, but we thought, we'll keep it and see what happens. The next year, there were more, And we figured they were peaches, but they were attacked by the fruit fly. And for about four or five years, we tried different ways of combating the fruit fly. And each year we ended up with this beautiful tree full of peaches that were just mush. Couldn't eat them. And they would fall to the ground and they would make a terrible mess. So last year, I decided to chop it down. And I mentioned that in church and I think I was uh, given some... Nasty looks by some of the greenies in the congregation. I do apologise. I thought, that's it. We can't beat these fruit flies. We can't do it. We're sick of trees full of mush. We're just going to be done with it, get rid of it. And I cut down the, uh, the trunk to about, I guess, half a metre high and thought, that's the end of it. Unfinished story. <laughs> Sprouts, shoots, I think that's the correct word, grew from that stump. And today it's about this tall. Can we have a look at it, Cameron? It's an unfinished story. And as we zero in, you can see one peach. (laughs) And I don't see any sign of fruit fly on it. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that peach. (laughs) And perhaps even next year, some more. But my point is this, no matter where you are in life, no matter whether you felt like you've been chopped down at the knees, regardless of the challenges you face, the anxieties, the fears, your uncertainties, yours is an unfinished story because Jesus came at Christmas. Yours is an unfinished story. And there is hope. There is hope because, you know, all stories have an author. 
every story has an author. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And further, in Philippians 1.16, Paul writes, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. The Christmas story is one of God with us. And you and I can have confidence that our unfinished story is in good hands. Hands that created the universe. Hands that can be trusted. Hands that are loving and kind. But I believe more than that, that there's a secret about how we can make sure our stories are well written. I'll tell you about it. As I read through the Christmas story, a small but significant phrase jumped out to me. It's in Luke 2 verse 19. This was just after Jesus was born. The shepherds visited Mary, Joseph and Jesus. The shepherds told them about their encounter with the angels. A remarkable story, no doubt. And this added to the whole miraculous event. And that verse says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Another version says, Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. And I can imagine Mary just trying to make sense of all of this, all of the comings and goings. She's got this new little baby. It's promised to be the the saviour of the world. There's all these miraculous signs surrounding that birth. These shepherds are coming in and she's just trying to take it all in and make sense of it. But what does it mean to ponder? What does it mean to ponder? Well, it's not a fleeting thought. A thought goes into the brain and the thought goes out again. That's not pondering. It's not the first thing that comes to mind. It's not the way we react and respond to something initially. The dictionary says that to ponder is to think about something carefully, especially before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. Example, this is the example the dictionary gives, I pondered the question of what clothes to wear for the occasion. Well, not me. (laughs) But there's a difference between simply allowing the unwritten story, the unfinished story, to happen around you and to being someone who's actively seeking God's hand as that story is being written. And it struck me that the key to this difference is pondering, as Mary did. And pondering often. Taking time daily to ponder, to think, to reflect on your life and your relationship with God. To really give it some consideration. And that can make a difference in the unfinished story in your life. I work at a school. And one of the important things that we do as teachers is ask the students to stop and to think and reflect on what they've just done. That could be a lesson in the classroom. That could be an excursion. Um, We take some students out on a hiking trip. And it's hard work. They're carrying all their gear on their back. And uh, it's quite challenging. But when it's over and they're fed and showered and feeling a whole lot happier, we ask them to reflect on what that's been like, what they've learned, how they've grown through it. And often it's those times of reflecting, those times of pondering that give the greatest growth. And if we just go through life and let things happen around us and don't stop, think it through, compare what the Bible says about it, seek God and really ponder and think through things, 
then the story can just be written in gobbledygook. Psalm 25 verse 4 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my saviour and my hope is in you all day long. I don't know about you, but I want my unfinished story to be one of walking along the paths that God has set for me. To be guided by his truth. And I want to be full of hope. And I know that if I don't take time to be with God, to read his word, to pray, to ponder all aspects of life and what's happening, then those things won't occur. When I was on holidays, um, we had some time with um, our extended family and grandson and I'd bought a little bike seat to put on my bike and we went off for rides early in the morning while the rest of the family slept in and um, found ourselves at a park and um, I took him out of the bike seat and he was racing around enjoying the park. He's only 20 months old um, and he saw some older boys at the park and by older I mean they were probably four years old, six years old, two brothers and there's this flying fox and they would climb up on the platform and hang on to the flying fox and away they go and my grandson wants to be that old and he wants to do those things as well. So I'd lift him up and uh, he'd sit around this rope and I'd hang on to him really tightly and we'd sort of run down the flying fox like that. Um, and these, these two boys were very patient. Um, they would get on and they would zip down and race back and be ready for another go and we'd have to take time and do it. And I said to the four-year-old, I said, thank you for letting us uh, have a turn. Um, you know, I really appreciate that. And he said, oh, you're very welcome. And I said to him, you have very good manners. And he said, I do have good manners because I do them every day. (laughs) And I thought, what a great example of developing a habit. Working to allow something to become part of your life because you do it every day. It just becomes a natural thing. I do have good manners because I do them every day. If you don't already, make 2017 the year in which you create the habit of having that regular pondering time with God, that time of reflection, that time of just talking with him, of reading through the word, of praying, of hearing from him, letting him be the author of your unfinished story. And if we don't, Our life stories continue, but often directionless, and they can be confusing. You know, as I read the Christmas story, a further thought occurred to me. Whatever happened to the shepherds? Now, we know the story. They are in the fields watching their flocks by night. And an an angel appeared, a host of angels appeared, and told them the good news. They raced, found Mary... Joseph and the baby Jesus. No doubt a huge impact on their lives. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, and yes, I am speculating, but could it be possible that over time, as the routines of life kicked in again, the experience faded? Remember that that Jesus had a childhood, that he had an apprentice with his father, he had to grow and he didn't start his ministry till he was 30 years old. So what did the shepherds think during that 30 years? Did they sort of get snippets of, of the boy Jesus? Did they know where he lived and sort of kept a distant eye on him and wondered how it was all going to turn out? 
did they there, were they there when he started his ministry? Were they there when, they, when he did miracles? I don't know. Or did life just eventually settle back to normal for them? It can be the same for us. We can have an encounter with Jesus, real and deep encounter with him, but then life just goes on. As I said, I believe the key to all of that is having time with Jesus and pondering. To give thought to what you read in the Bible and how God is writing each new chapter. Don't let an encounter with God fade into routine because you're not pondering, you're not thinking, you're not taking time with him. I really believe it's the difference between letting the story happen around you or allowing your story to be written in God's handwriting. I'd like to finish by reading a passage from 2 Corinthians. If you could have that up. Thanks, Cameron. Um, This is from the Message Version of the Bible. Now, we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. There's an unfinished story, isn't it? Created new, a fresh start, a new page. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons, which means flourishes and grows and develops. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. That's the grand picture of the story. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He is already a friend with you. I think that is something to ponder. One thing about uh, working at school at the start of a new year, we hand children their exercise books. And I've said many times to the classes I teach, you have a brand new book. There's nothing untidy in this book. There's no scribble outs. There's no torn pages. Will that be the same at the end of the year? And I want to say the same to you. 2017. (laughs) Boy, the years go, don't they? I was thinking back to when I first saw this little peach tree. 2017, brand new year. New pages, new chapters, unwritten. At the end of this year, can you see more in that written by the hand of God than you could ever possibly imagine? Take time to be with God, to ponder, to think, and you watch, watch how the year unfolds for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you that he bridged the gap and we can be friends with you. And Father, I pray that all of us will be thrilled and just amazed by what you're going to write in the chapter of our lives this year. Father, for those here whose story with you hasn't yet begun, I pray that this will begin very soon, that they will come to know you and to love you and accept you as their own Lord and Saviour, that their 
names will be written in the book of life for eternity. And for all of us, Father, we just look forward to your direction, your guidance, and all that you have for us in 2017. Father, I pray that you would stir within us that desire to be with you on a daily basis, to ponder, to reflect, to pray, to read, to listen, just to spend time with you so that we can be guided along your path. And Father, if we choose paths that are are the wrong ones, I ask that you would show us and you would put roadblocks before us so that we can get back on the right path again. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.